And everybody says, wow, there's a lot of, a lot of you here today. I'm like, us, us Southern Californians are a little soft, you know, it starts sprinkling, people stay away from services, but wow, this is, this is terrific. I am certainly glad to be here. I got something I want to share, so I hope you're ready to just receive with me what I believe God has for us. Amen? Hey, um, I am just blown away, and if you're with us here visiting, we are so, so glad that you're here, and it's our heart um, to connect with you um, in any way that we possibly can, and I just want you to know from our family to you that we genuinely want you to have an encounter with God. That's more than anything else for these few moments that we have every, every weekend. I just so much, God speak to us is what we're in the middle of this series about discerning the voice of God. Speak to us, God, that, that God, we might be in obedience to you, that we would just lay everything down before you at your feet, Jesus, that, God, there would be nothing that would hinder your Holy Spirit from bringing a revival here in our city of Mission Viejo. In the midst of all this rain and what's going on right now, the unsettledness and some of the stress and anxiety over the state of California, we pray for California. We need you, Jesus, desperately more than ever, God. We pray for our governor. He needs Jesus. He needs you in his life, Lord, just like all of us. And so, God, we are praying for change, and let that change begin with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, Amen. all right. Um, so, so many of you have been asking and sending some emails about the situation in Maui, obviously, um, the, the horrific fires that have just ransacked uh, that island. And so, uh, what we are doing, we are in contact with a church there called Cornerstone uh, community church, and uh, we are partnering with them on how we can help. We really prayed about it and thought about it and thought rather than just kind of throw a bunch of funds, you know, at an organization, there's nothing wrong with that. We just felt for this season that we wanted to work through a church that's going to help some families with their physical needs, but most importantly, the heart and the community of, of the church. So um, what I wanted to let you know is... Um, that's going to be on the website soon. It'll be uh, MVCC Maui Relief Fund. It'll be something like that. And then you can just click on that and you can just um, freely give as you choose. And I just really want to say thank you so much for many of you who have been asking for that. That just tells me, you know, we are a generous church and that's the way we want to be. Amen? So that's um, something that's a special gift above and beyond your regular giving to MVCC. And again, I just want to say thank you for your giving here and your generosity and obedience to God. And God's first. We're not going to let anything get in the way of Jesus. Amen? Um, <clears throat> when I was, we're going to be in First Kings. So if you have your Bibles and if you're joining us online, really glad that you're here with us at the MVCC fam. Um, First Kings 19 will be there. Um, I had um, gone through a period, uh, this is about 15 years ago, where um, I was in massive discouragement. I don't know if anybody's ever felt that before. <laughs> um, it, it was to the point where um, I needed to talk to somebody. And so um, God is so good because God orchestrates he doesn't always take away all the discouragement. He doesn't necessarily take away, zap us and take away the depression or take away the fits of anger that we struggle with or anything that we struggle with. I don't think God magically does. I think he works through people and situations and circumstances so that we can learn a lesson that God is wanting to teach us, right? But through it all, there's character building and perseverance and patience and 
passion for God that he wants to unleash in us. And sometimes we have to go through some stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like going through the stuff. I, I, I was born, you know, I was raised in this place, the OC. Everything's for my comfort. Everything's for my ease. I like my air conditioning. I like my heated seats. I like, you know, that there's clean water here. And it, I get conditioned to think that, well, that's my relationship with God. It's about comfort. And it's not always that way. So um, both my wife and I, um, one of our team members here years ago said, I need you to trust me. And of course, I knew him, and of course, I trusted. I said, I need you to go up to Sacramento, and there's a guy by the name of Rick Stedman. He's pastoring a church that's probably about 10,000. This is like 15 years ago. Huge church. And he started his church in front of Walmart with a car table, and he said on the, put a piece of paper on the car table, and it said, do you need help with your teenager? <laughs> that's how he started his church. And people would come up, coming out of Walmart, and say, yeah, I need help. What can you do? And he did parent seminars, and through the parent seminars, hey, we're going to start a church in such and such house, and we'd love for you to come. So that's how it started. Unfortunately, he went through so much discouragement. When the church was huge, he went through one of the darkest seasons of his ministry. And why I bring this up is sometimes I think as, you know, as pastors, maybe you think, we don't really get that discouraged. There's not much to get discouraged about. Or we don't struggle with any kind of feeling depressed. Because we're happy and joyful and everything's great and always wonderful, right? And that's not always the case. So I went up there. My, Laura and I went up there for three days. And he said, um, we have a prayer walk in our church, a prayer garden. I just want you to go up there and spend some time. He's such a, a man of wisdom. I just want you to go up there and just um, spend some time quietly in, in the garden, just, just in prayer, and then I'd love to meet with you guys. So we went and meet, met with him, and you know, just sharing what was going on and just how we were so low, and he said this, I'll never forget, he said, I understand I went through all of that. When you connect with someone who's walked through the same fire, darkness, valley, there's a connection, I believe, that the Holy Spirit uses to bring us out of it, but it's coming out of it with more wisdom, more passion, um, connecting to Jesus and hearing his voice. So this phrase, he kept saying three days over and over again. He, did, he must have said it a hundred times. And every time I would say, yeah, but, he would say, God will do it. God will restore your heart. God will restore your mind. God will refresh your soul. He just kept saying it. All the three days I was, he will do it. He will do it. He will do it. That's what I want to talk to you about, hearing the voice of God. He will do it. Amen. I you, all of us, I want us to be in a place of hearing God so that we can follow him that much more close. In 1 Kings 17 and 18, I just don't have time to read two chapters, but I just want to give you a, a quick narrative of what happened in those two chapters, and then we're going to get into chapter 19, verses 1 to 13, which I can't wait for it. I love these 13 verses. We'll get to it. 
The word of the Lord came to a man named Elijah. If you read in the New Testament about Elijah in the book of James, it said Elijah was a man just like us. So just like us, Rick, big pastor, big church. I'm little Mike, little church. He's a guy just like me. I'm just like him. Every one of us have some folks in our life that are just like us. Elijah is just like us. So I'll give you the narrative, and then I hope this is so crystal clear about why he's just like us. The word of the Lord came and said, I need you to go to King Ahab, Elijah, and I need you to confront him about the fact that he is king over Israel, but he's, he's swaying away the nation of Israel from my word and from my ways. So he goes to King Ahab, and he confronts him, comes to find out that unfortunately King Ahab was following the ways of his father who was not close to the Lord, which just reminds me as parents and as, you know, would-be parents, maybe some of you are like, gosh, we want to have kids someday. Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. Do it. (laughs) But the fact that we leave a legacy of how we live, it's not so much what we say, it's important what we say, but how we live. And unfortunately, King Ahab did not grow up in a uh, functional Um, family. And so as that confrontation happened, of course, King Ahab completely rejected the word of the Lord. And so there was then a problem. And the problem was the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, tell King Ahab because of his disobedience and he's not going to follow, there's going to be three years of famine. There's going to be three years of economic downpour. It's going to be so bad. In fact, no rain and no dew. Of course, on a day like today, this is fitting, right? No rain and no dew. No dew. When when the dew doesn't do what it's supposed to do, we've got problems, right? Because it can't fester the land and grow and all that stuff that it's supposed to do. So for three years, nothing. And then God said, I will not speak for three more years. Elijah, I want you to give him this message. So Elijah did that. Now, here's the really cool thing. God told Elijah, in the middle of this famine, I want you to go down to the brook. I'm going to send some ravens, which is so funny to me because ravens are scavengers. Anybody have any ravens around? They're just, they're dirty, they're messy, they're scavengers. They just take, but God uses a raven to give meat and bread to Elijah and he falls asleep by the brook and God is taking care of the man of God. I love it. And then he says, as the brook dried up, I need you to go down to Zarephath and I need you to go see a widow and she's going to take care of your needs. And so as he goes down and finds the widow, she has one sandwich left and he comes and says, I need that sandwich because I've got, I know I'm going to have to go to back, back to King Ahab and have this big confrontation. And she trusts and gives it to him and the Wonderful thing about this is God takes care of her needs. Now, unfortunately, as this narrative plays out, the widow's son, one son, passes away. Here's the coolest thing. God gave Elijah a word. Elijah raises his little boy from the dead. Can you imagine? I mean, the despair. She gave her last sandwich to him. She has nothing left, and all of a sudden, her son dies it's just, it's tragic, but God always brings something. He brings a resurrection out of death. I, I love the way this is unfolding. So now three years pass, and the king is desperate. King Ahab, find me that man of God. Find me that Elijah guy. Find me that pastor. Find me that preacher guy. And so they summon for Elijah. He goes to King Ahab, and King, 
King Ahab still is not following the Lord, but he wants relief from this famine. And so God speaks to Elijah about, we're going to have a competition. So he has this conversation with the king, and he says, let's have a competition. Let's have a game. You set up your altar, and I'll set up my altar. Your altar is to, of course, your God, Baal. My altar is to the one true living God. There are 450 false prophets who are serving this Baal God. And so um, they set up the altar, they put an, uh, a, a bull on the altar, and they call upon fire from heaven, from their God. And as they're calling for fire on this, nothing happens. And so Elijah comes up to him and says, hey, where's your God? Well, maybe, Elijah says, maybe he's on vacation. Uh, maybe he's sleeping. And he's just, he just, he just, taunting them in such a way. And so as he's doing that, nothing. I mean, they start dancing around the altar. I mean, it gets so bad, they start cutting themselves, sacrificing. It was just a bad scene. Which, by the way, false prophets will always lead to an empty altar. On the other hand, Elijah tells his servants, look, I want you to get four barrels of water. We're going to dig trenches around our altar, and I want you to fill it with water, and I want you to get another four barrels and then get another four. So there were 12 barrels of water, I think, because Elijah wanted to make a statement. There's no tricks here. There's nothing here that we're going to do that's, you know, magic or anything. Because Elijah knew that God was going to come through. He will do it. And all of a sudden, man, fire comes down from heaven and blows up that altar. The water, the dirt, the altar, it's just singed. It's torched. My God is the one true God, King Ahab. You know, sometimes we don't need to take it upon ourselves to defend the Lord. He's perfectly fine doing that himself, and he'll do it his own way. And what I love about this, unfortunately, as I wish I could tell you the story kind of went differently in this aspect, but Elijah executed 450 false prophets, not because they were just disobedient, because they were not going to turn back to the Lord, and he knew that. And so the way that this, this scenario ends is that Elijah, as he prayed for fire to come down, he knew. How did he know that God would come through? How did he know that God was going to make a statement on his time, on his terms, in the way that he was going to do it? I think that Elijah had such a vibrant, incredible prayer life that he was able to hear from God because he spent time with God. The more that we spend time with him, and some of that is just drawn out of the heart, and some of it is discipline. I'm going to discipline myself to spend time with God because I know I need him, and I need to hear from him. I, I don't want to follow my own ways. We can get into a, a pattern where we just kind of, well, this seems good to me, or let's take this vacation, or let's buy this house, or maybe I should buy that car, or maybe I should switch jobs, and we get into this mode of just kind of doing what's right in our own eyes, Right? And God is saying, I want to be involved in all that because I can open doors that no man can open. But I need you to come to me on a consistent basis so that it's a platform. Last week we talked about this. My quiet time, your quiet time with God is a platform for God to speak in the most craziest places. In the middle of 450 people who knew nothing and didn't want anything to do with the one true God, God speaks God intervenes, and I love that about God. So, chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we're going to pick up the narrative 
in Elijah's life. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, King Ahab, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Jezebel is King Ahab's wife, right? May the gods, notice here, little g, gods, right? May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I just need to stop here for a second because we got to make sure we're all on the same page. She is a very controlling wife. And King Ahab, as he gives the message, what? Not only did we lose 450 prophets, but another 450, everything usually is about money. And she saw that cha-ching, 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 we're going to lose all of this influence, all this money, everything we've built. You find that man of God, and we are going to kill him. Do you, do you sense this? Yeah, okay, let's continue on. So Elijah was afraid and fled. For... This is crazy to me. He just nailed 450 prophets to the wall. Fire from heaven came. He had this experience with God on Mount Carmel, this huge, there's no denying that God did this, right? He was afraid and fled for his life from one woman. <laughs> and he went to Beersheba down in a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. That phrase right there, left his servant there in the context of the Old Testament, what that really means is that Elijah is quitting. When he leaves his servants there, he's saying, I no longer need you because I, well, let's read on. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Now, before we go on, I, I just, I don't want to run over this too quickly that He's been called of God. He serves God, which, by the way, we're all servants of God, right? And so as we are servants, he is called, he's serving, he's been obedient, he saw the power of God. Yet in the middle of all that, fear so overwhelms him that he just wants to die. I don't know, maybe there's some in this room, maybe there's just one. The very fact that I'm still here today, I don't know if you've had thoughts, I don't know if you've ever felt. I don't think I, this might be someone in your life, I don't think I could ever take my life, but man, if God just took my life, it'd be so much easier. Get up and eat, the angel said. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. 
Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. I just need you to see with me, it's never too dark. It's never that bad. God always, remember, he will do it. There's always a way out with him, and his way out is always better. Boy, I thought we'd get some amens. I know this is a heavy, heavy moment, but right? Amen. God always provides a way out. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, now, I love this because God asked the question. Why does he ask the question? Of course God knows where he is, but it reveals when we answer the question, what's really going on on the inside of the engine room, right? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down the altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Do you hear what he's saying? I'm the only one that's been faithful to you, God. They're not faithful, and they're trying to kill me now. What is this about? This is not what I signed up for. Maybe you're here today. I gave my life to Jesus, man. And Jesus changed my heart. He transformed my life. I, can, I sense God moving. But then as I started to follow the Lord, all these bad things started happening. God, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know that we were going to get divorced. I didn't know that my kid was going to do drugs. I didn't know that I was going to fail at class and fail out of... I didn't know. Wait a second. I didn't sign up for... I lost all these friends that were supposed to be family in the family of God. I didn't sign up for this. Ever been there? Now look. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed... Don't you just love God? I got to stop here for a second. Elijah, how could you even say a thing like that? What is the matter with you? You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be joyful. You have the spirit of God all on you. What are you doing? This isn't the way I trained you. This isn't, he doesn't do any of that. Look what he does. And the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, right, discerning the voice, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, we were to go on through the rest of that chapter. His heart, because God is faithful and he will do it, and we will lift you up. I'm going to send an angel to give you food. You're going to take a journey. We're not done yet, Elijah. I know that Jezebel is after you, but I am greater than that. And I need you to trust me here. And as the account goes, it's a wonderful account of how in older age, Elijah's getting ready to leave and he passes on the mantle of leadership to a guy named Elisha. That's a whole nother message. But I want you to see, number one, 
is that there is conflict. Conflict is not necessarily bad. It's how we handle the conflict. And what I want to say about this is that sometimes when we're in the middle of conflict of any kind, we think, God, where are you? It almost seems like in the middle of conflict, God is more silent than ever before. God, I need to hear from you now. I need your voice now. God always has a timing. I just need you to see with me, because what I'm learning out of this text this morning, and what I've been studying about this week, is that Elijah was in the middle of some massive conflict. A woman was chasing after him, or sending an army to chase after him to kill him. And he runs away from the very place that God wanted him to go. And yet God, in his compassion and mercy, he catches up with Elijah. and says, Elijah, we got a plan. I need you to follow Conflict, often a time that God can speak the most clear to us and we can be listening. Discouragement is a real thing, isn't it? Sometimes when we're so discouraged, I don't want to hear from God because he might call me to do something that I don't want to do, right? Whatever the response might be, I love Jesus' gentle whisper. Jesus, Jesus wasn't here. It was the Old Testament. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is everywhere. He is the creator, Colossians tells us. So yes, Jesus speaks to us. I want to talk to you just for the last few minutes about that gentle whisper of God. The gentle whisper comes out of relationship. In John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never die spiritually. No one can snatch them away from me. There's a small book that most pastors get in seminary, and it's called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. It's written by a guy who was genuinely a shepherd, and he wanted to enhance the 23rd Psalm, and illuminate it by sharing his experience of what it means to be a shepherd. As I read that book and heard some things about the shepherd and the sheep, there are 10 of them that would, shepherds that would kind of hang out in a pack, and each of them would have 10 sheep, and they would know every one of the sheep by name. At nighttime, there was one shepherd that would be entrusted out of the 10 that would take those 100 sheep and bring them into the pen And then there was one opening, and it would be their privilege, his privilege, to lay himself down at the opening called the gate. Why was he there? All night, protecting, nurturing, watching over the sheep. Ravenous wolves might come in, but he was there protecting. In the morning, the rest of the shepherds would come, and in the midst of a hundred or so sheep, they would call out to their sheep, and the ten sheep would follow their shepherd because they were so familiar with his voice. Jesus is giving us truth this morning that he lays himself down, and he is the door 
There is only one way to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And sometimes, unfortunately, those falling on deaf ears or ears that are antagonistic to God think, well, God's just a killjoy. He just wants to kill everybody and condemn everybody. He's only provided one way. What about the rest of the ways to get to God? And the way I look at it is from God's point of view, God is a God of compassion and mercy. Here's the way I look at it. He gave us the way. He's not obligated to give me any way to get to heaven. He's not obligated to give me eternal life. I don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. That's what makes Christianity so amazing, so epic, is that we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We repent of all of our sins. He sends the Holy Spirit. He changes us from within. There's, I mean, genuine transformation from the inside out. And what's so wonderful about it is we don't deserve it. And that's why we're so grateful. And that's why, right, we're so grateful at MVCC. We want to serve God. We want to love God. But I want you to see that the sheep know the shepherd's voice because he hung around them so much. Discerning God's voice, yes, might come in conflict. It might not come right at the moment of conflict, but conflict doesn't mean that God's not there and he doesn't care. He does. I want to go through just some quick things about how does God speak? Well, okay, I got it, Mike. God speaks, but how? Um, and, and right side of the seat back in front of you, right there in front, there's, you can take this with you. And I, I just really want to ask, I know we got 10,000 things we're doing next week, but I really want to ask you to take a moment in your quiet time. Remember last week we talked about the quiet time with God? right? That we go through these and really take a look at this. How do you speak, God? Because I want to be listening. This is so important to me. This is, this is number one. This is key. This is the passion right now of, of my life following Jesus. I want to hear from him. I hope, I hope you're with me in that. Scripture and God's word, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that's one of the ways that God speaks. He will never, we talked about this last week, he will never speak to you or ask you or command you to do something that's contrary to the word. Everything's in the Bible, that's how God speaks from Genesis to Revelation, amen? Amen. Number two is divine revelation. In this course, we just um, talked about this. God may speak not audibly, I don't think God chooses to speak audibly, although he can. He speaks to us on the internal, on the inside, And so divine revelation from God, but this always is in conjunction with the word of God. So he may prompt you to do something, talk to someone, move in a certain area, but it's always with the word. That's why we always check. I think I'm hearing from God on this, but I need to check it out with the word of God because it might just be me or it might be a thought or it might be the enemy. Signs and wonders. God can still do signs and wonders. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen God do amazing things and he can get our attention and speak to us through those signs and the wonders that he displays. Of course, angels, we've seen over and over again in the scripture about that. Still believe that God sends angels. In Hebrews chapter one, it tells us that each of us have angels that are serving, ministering spirits, serving um, the people of God, right? Let's go on just the next few here. Other believers. You mean God can speak through my wife? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, I have had many experiences where I knew the Lord was speaking through my wife. Or God can't speak through my husband. He can't even tie his shoes right. What are you talking about? How can God speak through my husband? He does. He can speak through other believers. I have been in a men's life group Saturday morning that we meet every Saturday in the Word. Someone will say something about that Word, and it's like God, 
he just nailed it right there. God, I needed to hear that. That was from you. That doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes that happens. Yes, he can speak through other believers. That's why the getting together of other believers is so important. God may want to speak something to you. Well, you know, we don't really need church today. Oh, we really don't like church. I'm really not into it. And eh, this really doesn't do anything for me. I'm just not feeling it anymore. We have a lot of excuses and we just slowly drift away. We may miss something God wants to speak to us because a brother or sister came up and said something to us and you just knew this is from God. This is, this is huge. In prayer, absolutely, in prayer. God speaks to us when we have those times in prayer. Dreams and visions, yes, I still believe God can give us a dream. God can give us a vision. He may want to stop us, close a door, open a door, and a dream might be. Now, we have to be careful with these things because, again, we always want to check things out with what? The Word of God. And another brother or sister that might be a little bit farther along in their relationship with Jesus. Every one of us needs to have that kind of relationship where we have a Paul, we have a Barnabas, and we have a Timothy in our life. I need a Paul, someone who's older in the faith than me, who's been through more, who's walked with Jesus for many years, because I don't have all the answers. That's why I'm so glad we have a a discipleship program here called D12. It's a one-on-one commitment with somebody saying, I will pour myself into your life, and you pour yourself into my life, and we all get to walk with Jesus together one-on-one. It's a wonderful thing. You can check it out on our website, Dreams and Visions. And then, of course, oh, man. I was hoping he'd skip that one. It's the last one, too. It's because we don't like it. Can God speak to us in the middle of a storm? Yeah. Wasn't Jesus right there walking on the water to the disciples when they were freaking out? Yes. Here's what I'm going to say about the storm. Don't feel guilty if you're not hearing right in the middle of the storm. I've been there. God, where are you? You're so silent. I got a problem. God, I got a big problem, and you're not answering. You're not even acknowledging that I've been ringing the doorbell. God, you're, are you there? What are you doing? Gosh, I thought there was a guy named David in the Old Testament who had these very same thoughts. God, why are you so far from me? I flood my bed with tears. I don't have any tears left to cry. My enemies are after me. It'd be better if I just died. Sometimes it's in the gentle whisper. But I have to be in a place to hear him. I want to close with this. In Mark 1, 35 through 39, the disciples are pulling on the shroud of Jesus. Jesus, we got to go over here. Because there's tons of work. We got Harvest Crusade over here. We got Billy Graham Crusade over here. We got to feed the 5,000. They didn't say it that way, but that's my paraphrased version. But they were saying, come on, Lord. We know where you need to go. Have you ever done that with God? God, come here with me because I know where you need to be in my life, right? This is what I love about the Lord. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated, some of your Bibles may say solitary place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Come on, Jesus, let's go. Now look, Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I have come. And so we traveled through the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. 
how did Jesus know where to go? How did he know what was the agenda for the day? Of course, he's God. Yes, I, I understand. Yes, Jesus is God. But remember, he was also human. So there was a semi-limited thing in all of his glory, which we will see him. And so out of, I believe, modeling an example for the disciples, he was praying and receiving what God wanted him to be doing. I, I just want to encourage you with this, that that quiet time with God, wherever it might be, it might be in the morning for you. It might be in the afternoon. It might be in the evening. doesn't matter. It's the condition of the heart and the fact that, God, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to read the text. I'm going to, Lord, hear your voice, what you're saying out of the text. This is what I think, God, you're saying. And then these are things, God, that I am praying for. These are things that I want, God, to see you do, not just in my life, but so many people that need you, Lord. And out of that, God begins to, He's always speaking, but now we're listening. So how do we do this? Got to get quiet. Elijah, Elijah was, member in this place of sleep. He was in a quiet place, down by the brook. Be still, settle my heart down, open the Bible, ask for wisdom, And here's the thing. I want you this week to really think about this and do it. I want you to find one person that you trust in the Lord in relationship with Christ that you would ask, would you please pray for me? Because I need to hear from God on this. And then, of course, the last one is, all right, then willing to obey what you said, which is exactly what Elijah did. He poured into Elisha. Elisha, it says, did double the amount of miracles that Elijah did because he asked for a double portion of blessing from God. There's nothing wrong with that. But out of that relationship, God did this amazing thing. And yeah, he speaks in the middle of conflict. And yet there's always confirmation. Amen? God, we thank you for leading us, not with a heavy hand or guilt or religion, or have-tos. But God, I just want to say thank you that we get to. We get to follow you. We, we get to pray. We get to serve. And God, it's our heart desire here at MVCC, Lord, as a family, to stay in alignment so that we can hear your, your voice, God. We want you more than anything else. We want your voice more than any other voice, God. So this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In this quiet moment, I'm just going to ask for kind of a stillness just for a moment, please. But this time of communion is a time of remembering Jesus. I want to go back to that John 10 passage. John 10, 27 and 28. My sheep, hear my My sheep. My sheep. Jesus died because he loves you, loves us. And he rose again to show us there is eternal life. So 
so much life to be living here on earth. So Jesus, we are reminded once again, you will do it. And we trust you. In this moment of communion, we just want to say thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the suffering that you endured so we could be free. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.